Hey everybody, welcome back to the Rift Enlightenment Within the Divide. I'm your host, Sam Denning, and joining me today for a conversation about the backpacking the Colorado Trail is author and friend Craig Eckert. He uh, recently published a book called Rocks, Roots, and Rattlesnakes, a geologist journal, 150 days of discovery on the Appalachian Trail. And uh, he and I have talked about that one back in the past, but uh, he's here with me for another conversation. I uh, haven't been releasing much here uh, recently, so I uh, hope everybody out there listening uh, enjoys, the conversa- uh, enjoys the conversation. Hey, I've got Craig Eckert with me again here. Uh, hey, Sam. Hey, Craig. Thanks for coming back on. Uh, we've been trying to touch base well, for a little you. while, and it's finally fit into both of our schedules here on Election Day of all days. Um, yeah. So, you know, this will be getting released after, but, uh, hopefully everybody that's listening has gone out to vote. Um, but, uh, Craig has written rocks, roots, and rattlesnakes, a geologist journal, 150 days of discovery on the Appalachian trail. It's been available now for several months, but, uh, if anybody would like to read it, it's about his journey on the Appalachian trail backpacking. Uh, I'll, I'll post the link to where to purchase that uh, in the description of the podcast if anybody's interested. But Craig's uh, joining us again today to discuss a couple. He's he's hiked the Colorado Trail, or uh, backpacked the Colorado Trail, I keep saying that. And um, he's also done the Long Trail and several other trails. And, and you know, he, he said that he'd like to speak a little bit about that and what the differences were. So I'll kind of let him have at it. So you hiked the App- Appalachian Trail. Was that the first backpack, the Appalachian Trail? Was that the first one that you, the first big one that you did? Uh, it is, or it was, I should say. Um, you know, I did that back in uh, 2020, the COVID year. And, um you know, prior to that, I really hadn't uh, backpacked for maybe more than a week in my life. Uh, when I was young, I used to do a lot of backpacking and hiking with the Boy Scouts and just friends and so forth. But um, since I retired back in 2017, um, yeah, I started thinking about what what things do I want to spend my time doing? And, and you know, I'd always kind of enjoyed getting out in the woods and, um, you know, going on hikes and doing a lot of day hikes on um, family trips out west and other places that we've been um, up in, you know, the uh, Maritimes, um, the Atlantic Maritimes and so forth yeah. and places like that. But but I've really never done anything uh, of length like the Appalachian Trail until I uh, set out in June. Uh, to do what was really going to be just, I think, 470 miles was my initial plan. Um, and then after a couple of weeks, uh, I realized, you know, I think I can do this because I, I wasn't sure if, if my body would be uh, be able to handle it, uh, honestly, because I had, you know, I had some back issues and my, my, my knees had given me trouble from time to time, but they were generally pretty good. Um, I, had, uh, I had my one knee scoped. I think, oh, 25, 30 years ago when I had um, a sports injury. Uh, so uh, I was a little bit worried about that. But as it turned out, you know, I was in pretty good shape uh, to start. And I thought, well, I think I can do this. So I just decided to do the whole trail. And then it took me um, about five and a half months uh, to complete it. 
And then since then, yeah, as you mentioned, I've done several other trails, um, lengthy trails, such as the Long Trail up in Vermont, which stretches from uh, uh, the Massachusetts border to the Canadian border. It's about 273 miles, and uh, oh, that was fantastic. And one of the things that was interesting about it, I guess you could say, is that I did it in July of 2021, thinking that, well, this will be, you know, summer in the mountains and, you know, cool, but, you know, beautiful weather. Well, (laughs) in July of 2021, oh my gosh, it rained, um, 18 out of the 22 days. Oh my gosh. On the trip. Yeah, and and so uh, it was still fantastic. I mean, would it you was such a cool trip. Would you uh, consider but, a redo and uh, try to try to get better weather? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing it again. I mean, that's one of those trips that it would be really fun, maybe one day, to do with uh, the grandkids or you know just an, another another trip, uh, either solo or maybe with with others, but. Uh, the really interesting thing about it, well, one of the really interesting things about it was it passed over, I think, 13 ski resorts. So, you know, you're following the ridge lines along the Green Mountains um, pretty much the whole way. And, you know, you dip in the valleys from time to time, of course, in between them. But, um, yeah, there were there were 13 ski resorts. And I've, I've never skied New England before, but I certainly have renewed enthusiasm for that i guess you could say mm-hmm. um, having having just done that and um, some of the notable places would be um you know killington um uh, going up and over campbell's hump although um campbell's hump is is one of the highlights along the long trail but of course it rains all the time <laughs> and so not only was you know it 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 raining but it was also foggy in the highlands so uh, often I would get uh, well not often most of the time I, I would get to the tops uh, you know where there would typically be these fantastic views and everything would just be fogged in um, oh wow but, yeah. but, but you know that in itself is it's sort of that otherworldly feel to the trip where you know, you might not have a great view and everything, but just getting up there and then and then you know climbing around on these exposures of uh, rock for hours, it's all in this thick fog. Thick and, fog. It's uh, kind of mystic, and, and it, it, yeah, it's a, a really cool experience in itself. Yeah, it's like mystic. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You feel like you're. Well, you, you could be anywhere, right? Um, but anyway, that so that was. That was a a little um, example of of what doing the long trail was like. And it was it was actually quite cold and wet the whole time. Well, wet of course, uh, but the <laughs> temperature was <were, laughs> they were in their they were in the fifties and maybe touching into the sixties most days. And and I went into it thinking, oh, this will be yeah. Uh, you did not get the weather it. that you had bargained for uh, with when you did that. So I, I'm I'm trying to think here. So the, the long trail is the is is the first long distance trail in the yeah, country, right? Yeah, I think I think it's known as right the first long uh, first long continuous footpath in in America, right? Yeah, and the Appalachian Trail part of it up there is the long trail. 
right? Yeah, they they follow the same path for about 100 miles, and then the rest of it to the north is um, just unique to the Long Trail, right? So some of it you were familiar with. Yeah, that's true. But what was interesting was when I did the Appalachian Trail the previous year, I was going south, and it was in October, and it was pretty nice most of the time because, you know, usually October, November, it's not quite so rainy. And, um, and so it, you know, fall colors and so forth going through. And then when I turned around and did it the, the next year, I, I reversed direction going through that hundred miles. That's the same. I reversed direction. It was in the summer and it was raining the whole time. So it was like a completely different trail. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I remember the names of places. I had remembered the names of places. Well, I kind of remember this, but you know, you're approaching from the other direction, and the weather's different. The, you know, the, the leaves are all on on the trees, and and it's raining the whole time. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's something that makes <laughs> that's something that makes backpacking really extraordinary. I think is that depending on the elements, you, you have a completely different experience. Depending on the time of mm-hmm. year, you have a totally different experience. Right. Right. You know, you never have the same, I mean, I guess the same thing could be say said about any trip, but I mean, it, you really feel it there. Like you said, you're, you're almost in a different world when it's raining on mm-hmm. you and, you know, misty sure. and foggy and you're in the same place that was bright and sunny, you know? Right. Um, so. But lots, but lots of, you know, great metamorphic rock exposures, um, you know, most of the deformation up there is uh, Taconian or Taconic in, in age. And uh, so you have um, these metamorphic rocks and, um, you know, lots of gneisses and, and schists. And, uh, and much of this was at one time sedimentary, but had been, you know, very deeply and um, contorted through all of the tectonics involved in, um, you know, the collision of that island art. You remember during mm-hmm. Tacoma time, and then and shoving those those uh, those sedimentary one sedimentary you know rock layers that had been changed into the schists and and ices um, way off to what's now the west and up and over um, the Green Mountain Massif, which a lot of that stuff is much much older, of course. That's Proterozoic and and uh, so you're, you're looking at very different rock units than uh, what would be certainly around here in Sedimentary Basin. Yeah. Around here, being where I live in Pittsburgh, where you are. In, uh, yeah, we West, have uh, similar. Kentucky, sure. But, uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful um, um, metamorphics uh, all along the way. Well, let me ask you a question related to you've done, you know, you're fresh off the, the Colorado Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, did you learn anything from your backpacking in your book, um, that you adapted or changed when you went to a year later to do the long trail and anything, you know, have, did you adjust anything, buy anything new or different that you, that maybe made your experience better or easier? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it, it it's a constantly evolving, uh, that list of, of gear, I guess you could say. Um, hmm, I, I certainly lightened my load uh, 
when I did the Colorado Trail, my well, I say my load. I'm talking about my my backpack base weight, and uh, the base weight is essentially defined as everything but food and water. So, what's in your pack? What are you carrying every day? You know, in terms of clue, uh, clothes, uh, shelter, and um, just all the things you need to survive, right? Yeah, so, so your like, base weight's kind of like your starting weight. It's always going to be at least yeah. this weight. Yeah, and, and when I when I did the AT, the Appalachian Trail, I, I think my base weight was, you know, it was about maybe 30 pounds or maybe even a little bit more. And uh, then you throw in two liters of water, that's four and a half pounds. And then the food bag, which is anywhere from 10 to 15 pounds. And, ooh, you're, you know, you're pushing 45 pounds maybe. And uh, so, so that's a lot of weight to carry on your back over extended distances. Um, so when I did the Colorado Trail, I probably started out, mm, I would say, in the mid-20s or maybe even low 20s. Um, but about uh, about halfway through, I realized there were, there were some things that I wasn't going to need and, and that I, I just didn't need. And so I sent them home um, with about a week and a half or so to go. So, And, and I, I wouldn't have needed to start out with them at all anyway. So I, I should have done this from the start. But uh, the bottom line was that my base weight, um, hiking the Colorado Trail, I think I got it down to about 15 pounds, and that made a huge difference because it's almost like you're day hiking then, uh, or you know, slack packing, if you will. Uh, that's when you just you know you throw a, a, a day pack over your back, just uh, with a little bit of food and water, and maybe a rain jacket or something like that. Uh, but but it, it almost felt like that. So the backpack was really light, and and then with food and water, you know, I mean, I might have been up to 30 pounds which is much, much better than 45 to 50. Uh, so, yeah, it made a big difference. And uh, I think it, it allows you to keep your energy level up a little higher throughout the day. And and uh, it just makes the whole experience much more pleasant. So that's one thing, I guess, to answer your question about, you know, did I, did I make any changes to gear? Um and then uh, just a few other things. I'm trying to think what some of them were. There were a couple of key items, and uh, it'll come to me here in a minute, I guess. But uh, but the trail itself is very different. Um, one of the things I think that stands out um, above everything else, because, you know, you're hiking every day, so your feet take a beating. And, and in the east, your feet really take a beating because of the rockiness of the trail. Whereas out west, um, the trails are just a lot easier on your feet. Um, that you know, there are parts that are really steep, but a lot of the trail, even though the elevations are much greater, a lot of the trail is uh, uh, smooth, and you know, it, it's like a it's like a footpath that you would have through a pine forest or through a, you know, a gently rolling um, terrain setting here in the east versus, um, you know, the way the trails normally are along the Appalachian Trail or the Long Trail or the Foothills Trail or, you know, really any of the eastern trails, it, it's 
typically we get a lot of rainfall here, right, in the east. And so yeah. you, you couple that with the amount of traffic, and they're, they're usually pretty rutted, eroded, and just rocks exposed everywhere. And, uh, and a lot of roots because of, you know, the amount of vegetation that's present in the east. And so, you're, you know, you're always trying not to turn an ankle or step on a rock wrong. And, and so at the end of the day, uh, a 15 to 20 mile day, your feet are just, you know, they really want to come out of the shoes mm-hmm. and be, be plunged into a cold water somewhere. Yeah, totally <laughs> worn out. Whereas, whereas you know, tenor, uh 15 or 20 miles out west, you know, even though you're climbing through these much greater elevations each day and, and going through a lot of elevation change, but the trails are just, oh, they're so much more comfortable to walk on. And so at the end of the day, I, I really, I never really felt like I needed to tear off my shoes and, and uh, you know, get that relief that I did hiking in the east. Yeah, that's an it- that's interesting too. I wonder if it changes your experience too, because you don't have to be as focused on where your feet are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're, you know, there, there are long distances where, you know, you can, you know, peripherally look down as you're watching the views unfold before you in these incredible settings where, you know, you're, you're at 10, 11, 12,000 feet. And you can see in every direction forever. You're above tree line. Um, there's there's no encumbrance to your view, and so you can enjoy the experience visually much better than you can back east. You know, for a whole variety of reasons. You know, you're about you're in the alpine zone, and you don't have to be staring at the ground the whole time, so you don't trip and hurt yourself. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really it's a very different experience. Yeah. And I'm looking at I'm looking uh, at some pictures that there are of of the views on this trail, and oh my gosh, it is absolutely breathtaking. Um, yeah, and and one thing I can say is that it doesn't matter how good of a photographer you are, or, or the person taking those photos that you're looking at, it it doesn't even come close to being there live. Because, you know, I, I was always so disappointed whenever I looked at my photos later. Like, I'd, I'd take a whole bunch of photos for the day and look back at them that evening or, or later on. And I think to myself, oh, my gosh, it was so much better than what's captured on this photo that I, that I had before me. Right. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's generally true with any time you take pictures. But, um, but yeah, the... the uh, well, just the surrounding panorama of these spectacular vistas in every direction. Oh my gosh, uh, it's it's hard to capture that on on uh, in photo or even even in a video. Yeah, that's. I mean, it it just looks amazing. So, how many how many miles was the Colorado Trail? Well, the Colorado Trail it, it starts near Denver and it goes for four hundred eighty six miles. Uh, to where the trailhead near Durango, Colorado is. So it's, uh, you know, it's just under 500 miles. And um, there are a couple of, well, there's there's one main option that you can take when you get to the Collegiates. You can either take the old, 
the original Colorado Trail, which follows the East Collegiates, and it it's generally a little bit lower elevations, and you come close to a couple of towns that if you want to resupply, like near Buena Vista or Salida, uh, you can get off there and either hitch into town or hike into town. Um, but the alternate route, the newer route, and the one that I chose to take was uh, going through the Western Collegiates, which is a little bit more remote, and it's much higher elevations, more spectacular scenery. Um, and I, I was really glad that I chose that option. Um, I, 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 I hiked solo, but I hiked with you know a lot of other people off and on throughout my, uh, my trek. And we had a lot of discussion about, well, do we go to the East Collegiates or the West Collegiates when we, you know, get to that, 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 uh, that fork. fork in the road. So um, you, so you and, started out in the Denver and started heading south. Yeah, so I started okay. out Denver. Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at a map right now. So I see here when you go to the, uh, the West, you know, you went through Mount Ale. Is that right? Mount is that right? uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Uh, but uh, it starts out in what's known as the Waterton Canyon. Okay. And uh, the Waterton Canyon is just, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's a state park, national national forest or what. But anyway, it's a, it's a scenic area. And uh, a lot of tourists or, you know, bikers, uh, hikers, et cetera, they, they use it on a daily basis for their workouts. So you see a lot of, you know, people hiking, running, uh, biking, whatever, as you're, as you're coming up through there. It, it follows the South Platte River. And, um, and then it gets into, um, gets into the mountains very slowly uh, because it is following drainage. And uh, so it's a good way to start the Colorado Trail if you're not from Colorado and you're not yeah. used to these elevations. Um, because it took three days until, uh, I believe it took three days until it was over 10,000 feet, which was a nice gradual uphill climb. And then once you're above 10,000 feet, um, you know, you're, you're only going to get as high as 13, not even 13, three. So you're, you're next to a lot of 14,000 footers uh, when you're going up and over the passes every day. And, um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with what a pass is, it's just essentially it's, it's the way that the trail takes you up and over a ridge line into the next valley or the next hanging valley or the next cirque. And, um, and these, these passes are... You know, another name for them would be a saddle. Um, essentially, it's just along a ridge line at, at its lowest point. Um, and and typically, I would say I, didn't, I never counted them up, but uh, there were several. There was at least one pass nearly every day. And oh, cool! And then in in many of the you know higher elevation. Um, points along the trail, like through the Western Collegiates, for example, um, there were maybe as many as six in one day. I think that was maybe one of the longest days I had, too. It, uh, it took me from Cottonwood Pass, 
the trail um, through the Western Collegiate one day took me through. Uh, it, it began at Cottonwood Pass, and there was, you know, just one pass after another. Um, and I believe it was the Cottonwood to Tim Cup Pass trek day. And, uh, yeah, so I was, I was about... 12,000 feet the entire day. And, uh, wow. so that was just <laughs> like amazing. I'm, I'm sitting amazing here looking system. at a, uh, not a super detailed map, but I'm zoomed in at this Western, you know, Western collegiate, uh, mm-hmm. part here and man, you know, 14,000 foot peaks. Oh yeah. Nearly, they, they were, they were all around. Yeah. Right? Oh, I bet you, man, I bet and you. There were, yeah. And there, there were opportunities, uh, like every time I would, make it over make it to the top of a pass um you know you typically take your pack off and take you know 10 15 minute break and just enjoy the view and kind of catch your breath because most of these if not all of them are essentially the the uh, um the arrets which are essentially created by having a cirque on either side you know alpine mm-hmm. glaciation right? And so if you think about the geometry of a cirque, typically they get steeper the higher you go. And so you're, you're climbing these, these steep, um, fortunately, they're, they're typically uh, switchbacks, you know, taking you back and forth, you know, climbing. Yeah, so you're not like. Steeper and higher until you get to the top, right? Yeah, you're not having and to pull yourself move. up with a rope. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sure. And, and and I should say that you know much of much of the Colorado Trail is is um, like that. In other words, it's uh, designed so that you're you're not climbing these incredibly steep um, areas uh, just straight up. Like for example, the Appalachian Trail when it goes through a lot of areas in New England, those early. Um, trail crews that built the trails a lot of times they, they were heartless say, we need to go yeah they were heartless <laughs> we need to go there and the trail just drags you up like the steepest parts of some of these mountains and you get to the top and think oh my god wasn't there an easier way they could have designed <laughs> it's gonna to take me there. it's gonna take me a couple hours to get adjusted so i can oh, re- enjoy god. this yeah uh, that- yeah but but in uh, in colorado uh, on that trail um, because the bike is, uh, the, the trails are shared by both backpackers and, um, mountain bikers, um, and, and horses as well. A lot of the trails, in fact, most of the trails are designed with a reasonable gradient. And so that means there's a lot of switchbacks and, you know, a lot of places where, you know, you're, you're glad that, um, that it, it's being shared by, by bikes and horses, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but when you get into the wilderness areas, the, the wilderness areas are hikers only. And, uh, many of those are much steeper because of that. It's, it's sort of like the, uh, the folks building the trails said, you know what, we don't have to worry about, uh, mountain bikers in this area. So let's just go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of those trails are a little bit, uh, they're a little bit steeper. So, so how many days total did it take you to complete the Colorado Trail? Yeah, so the Colorado Trail, um, it's like I said, four hundred sixty-eight or four hundred eighty-six miles, and 
And it took me a total of 33 days. And um, of, of those days, um, I took two full days off. So I just had two zero days in there. So 31 net days. And um, yeah, the first break I took was about a week into it. I have a, a friend who had a copper prospect going in South Park area. And um, so he was out there and he was, he had his rig set up and they're, they're drilling some core holes. And so I took a, a full day off to visit with him and see his operations. And that was real interesting. And then that would be the cool. next, uh, yeah, yeah, it was really interesting to, to see that going on. And then uh, the only other day that I took off was when I was about, oh, about three weeks into it. And I took a day off. Um, near near the town of uh, Lake City, which uh, it's just getting into the San Juans at that point, and the San Juan Mountains are just spectacular. Um, a lot of a lot of the San Juans are volcanic. Um, some of them are um, capped with uh, red bed bases, where you know you're getting into a, the sedimentary basins of of the San Juans and, and the mm-hmm. Paradox. Um, to the southwest, um, and then, uh, uh, but, the, but the volcanic fields, and I know I'm jumping around a lot, oh, so you're if you're trying to follow this from start to finish, it's uh, kind of all over the board, I guess. <laughs> no, okay. no, you're fine. I'm very fascinated <laughs> with, with this. But, but what I was going to say about the, uh, the sand walls are, are a lot of them, a lot of those peaks, are made up of volcanics, and the uh, the volcanics are, are incredibly interesting because you know they they represent a a, a whole another past to the Rockies, um, where you have these um, massive uh, lava flows. There's um, uh, tephra, breccias, all sorts of you know extrusive rocks that you know you typically don't see elsewhere um like at the beginning it it begin it the beginning of the trip begins with um looking at a lot of uh, really old proterozoic uh, metamorphics and then you get into what's called um the uh, pike's peak batholith which you know is what it says just essentially granites um, that were part of a huge batholith that's been uplifted and exhumed. And, uh, and they're really interesting and beautiful rocks. Um, you know, the, these granites have lots of pink felt spars in them. So oh, they, they have that pink, pink, red mm-hmm. uh, coloration to them. And uh, you, you go through those for days on end. And uh, they create some, you know, beautiful exposures along uh, ridge lines, and, and just, you know, as you're making your way to the bridges, and um, spectacular um, overlooks, you know, where you're standing on these uh, these pink granites, and uh, so you I'm... know, looking at. Sorry, I was, I was just going to say, I assume that you've got some. You probably took a nice camera with you. Did you, or did you? Well, my cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you don't want to waste that weight, you know, throwing a big heavy-duty camera in the pack. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Did you, and 
did you journal? So did you journal on, I'm sure you did journal on the long trail and on this Colorado trail as well. I, I did. I, I haven't, I haven't put it together in the form of a manuscript yet, but um, I, I'm slowly working away at that. And I may do so for, or I may do so for one or both of those trips as well. Yeah. So you um, may I have another. Certainly got enough material. You might have a future yeah. release, part two and part three. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's very possible, and uh, I, yeah, I don't want to commit to that yet. But uh, I've certainly thought about that, and I'm slowly working towards it. But uh, that's a that's a nice chunk of time that needs to go towards um, yeah, just putting prep. that together in a in a decent format. So. Yeah, that's something that uh, it may be in the future. Mm-hmm. I just think that, I, I, me personally, I'd love to be able to have the time to commit to doing this because you do kind of get to become, and I, I said this in our last podcast, you get to become one kind of with, you know, the earth, with the trail. Um, you know, you're not, phone's not blowing up all the time. You're just out there in the wilderness having a lot of time to yourself to collect your thoughts and think about things. I think it would be just from that perspective would be a therapeutic thing to do for anybody. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a fantastically uh, um, rewarding experience, yeah. I can say. And uh, I, I mentioned earlier that I, I did this solo, but, I ran into a, a ton of people along the way that were doing the same thing I was. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. As well. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the every day, you know, you'll meet a group of folks who are either going your way or you're passing. And the ones going your way, you know, if you're running into them, it's because either you're going a little faster than they are or they're going a little faster than you. And so you might hike together for a while or, or it might turn out that you have about the same pace and, you know, you can, you can hike for a few days or, or longer with those folks. And, uh, so I did run into, you know, a lot of people who are out there. Um, some people from, uh, Colorado, some people from, you know, out West, some people from back here in the East. Uh, I met a, a gentleman from uh, Belgium who was over there just on holiday, as they call it in Europe, right? Yeah. And uh, and he had time constraints, so uh, he was a young guy, and his name was Ollie, and he he was really a fast hiker, so he he didn't have any trouble finishing on time. Um, but I, I met him a couple of times uh, early on, and um, you know we camped at the same spot. Um, I think just one night in the beginning. And then uh, he, he took a couple of days off because, you know, one of the things about um, hiking these trails too are the hostels and the trail community off trail. It's, it's really fun too. So a lot of people, especially young people, I think they, uh, they like to spend a regular amount of time, maybe every four or five, six days at a hostel to kind of, you know, recoup and socialize and, you know, enjoy the, you know, the ambience of these, these small towns where the hostels are located. And uh, although I would enjoy that too, I, I think I, I enjoyed just that continuity of being on the trail for long periods of time, because it's a very different experience when you stay on the trail, um, 
for, for example, I think the longest stretch I had was 18 days without getting off the trail. And it's a really different experience like that versus getting off the trail every five or six days. You know, that, that's what you done on the Appalachian was you got off every five or six days, right? Um, yeah. Or approximately. Uh, a, a, little, a little more than that, but uh, yeah, approximately, you know, once a week or so. But uh, but it's a really different experience when you're when you're just out there, mostly by yourself, um, for you know weeks at a time. Um, through all kinds of weather and and everything else. And um, anyway, so so I I really enjoyed that aspect of it as well. Yeah. So um, if you had an 18, 18 day, so you had to have food for that whole amount of time. You weren't stopping. You weren't able to. Well, no, there were there were places where I could get my food, but I would just I'd be in and out. Oh, in and know? out. You okay. weren't hanging or staying in a hotel yeah, or doing just, anything like, like that. I, I'm, I'm passing through, you know, a small town or a, or a, a road that'll take me into town, and and I'll just, uh, you know, get the closest. Uh, I'll just get to the closest um, store that's available at that point, and and then get right back on the trail. Um, I see. Yeah, but, that does make it. A lot more. So you don't really, you don't really lose that momentum or that, um, so, you know, that mindset. Do you get, so what were the age ranges of the people that you say that you, I mean, were most of them older people or were there, I mean, did it, was it all kinds yeah, of Yeah, combination. Uh, there were, there were lots of young folks, uh, lots of, um, men and women in their twenties, thirties, um, and so on. And then there were, there were also, you know, the retired Guys like me, I guess. Um, I think maybe one of the oldest ones was uh, a gentleman I met. He was um, he was a pretty seasoned hiker. Uh, he had been retired for a long time, maybe twenty five years or more, and he had hiked all over the world. And uh, his name was Baz, and uh, really enjoyed his company. Um, we got we we met uh, one night. I was coming into a camp. And uh, he was just setting up his tent, and uh, it was just the two of us. And so we got to talking, and we ended up hiking together for uh, much of the next several days. And then I guess our, our paces were just a little different. And I think one evening I uh, I thought he was going to catch up to me, and he never did. And then I hadn't seen, I, I didn't get to see him after that. Um, and that, and that's typical of, of how it works. You know, you just you sort of outpace that person that you're hiking with or they outpace you. And then, you know, maybe you'll meet later if they've taken the yeah. day off somewhere. And, and maybe they and, had a scheduled stop. They were camping somewhere right. behind you or whatever. And then you never, sure. never yeah. crossed them again. <laughs> That's interesting. Right. Yeah. And I remember uh, one, one evening um, uh, we were planning to meet at uh I believe it was called uh, Lake Ann, and it was oh, it was uh, just you know really close to where the paths for that particular area was to get them over into the next valley. So we thought, well, let's let's plan to meet at this Lake Ann, which is just a a, a glacial lake, uh, which kind of contains all the meltwater from you know the winter snows that cover these peaks. And there's a beautiful lake setting, and uh, so uh, so I got there maybe five, six o'clock in the evening, 
and um, Baz was somewhere behind me, and um, there were. You know, this was all above tree line, like maybe at eleven five, something like that. Okay, thousand five hundred feet, and beautiful setting. Um, and there was this. So it's just sitting in this cirque, and the uh, and the only place to camp was up on these little flat uh, areas that that surrounded the lake and. So I set my tent up there, and uh, and and in the afternoons, it's, it's always uh, either raining or on the verge of raining. And uh, fortunately, you know, I was late enough in the year that I think I got there just as the really bad lightning season was ending. Because when you're in these um, areas where you're completely above treeline, you're totally exposed, and so if there's a an afternoon thunderstorm, you know, you're, you've nowhere to go. <laughs> so, you know, it's a little bit touch and go where, uh, you know, you're, you're on this uh, completely open area and there's big storm clouds coming through and you can hear the thunder in the distance. And now and then you'll see a bolt of lightning, you know, like touching down. Wow. And you're thinking, well, now what do I do? And, yeah. But, but I had, but I had, uh, my trip was late enough in the year that I was just, I was just starting at the end of that um, worst part of the season for for lightning, so I, that that effect was minimized because of this, my timing. Did you? But anyway, did you plan that? I mean, did you plan to do it at that time because of that, or did it have nothing to do with that? Uh, it really had nothing to do with that. It was more. When could I? What? Yeah, yeah. When did I really have to? Oh, okay. Yeah, kind okay. Of More practical than that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I probably would have gone earlier if I had the time to go earlier. But it's a good thing that I didn't. I mean, this this actually turned out to be the, you know, unbeknownst to me at the time when I started, this was really about. The, I think this is the best time to do it, um, which was you know mid September to mid October, or, or I'm sorry, mid August to mid September, which is when I did it. Um. Anyway, but back to the story. So I, I set my tent up, and um, and this gentleman I was I was you know planning to camp with that evening. He he finally made it just as the rain started, and uh, and you know out there in the afternoons and into early evening, the rains are are typically they last about an hour. And then the clouds move out, and then it's nice for a little while, and then maybe more clouds come in, and it rains again. But um, but poor Baz, he was you know he was uh, rolling in around oh I don't know might have been seven o'clock or so, just as the rain these really heavy rains started, and um, and they lasted for about an hour. But uh, when he arrived, he had to quick set his tent up in the rain and. You know, everything was soaked, and uh, so oh man, that would be awful. It was, it was bad timing for him, you know, because had he gotten there maybe an hour earlier, he could have avoided that. Um, but uh, one of the neat things about that that particular evening, um, I remember I could see all of these uh, mountain goats up on the hillside. You know, on the way up to the path, wow. yeah. uh, up to the path, uh, it's just rock and then scrubby. Uh, grasses and um, just low growth shrubs and so forth of that area, but there were these uh, and they're 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 white mountain goats 
and they just, you know, have real sure footing and the, the surfs that they're walking along, the edges of you know, the, the sides of, of the mountain that make up the surf, they're very steep. And I, I don't think a normal person will be able to do what these goats do, uh, but they're literally just walking along these these cliff walks. And, uh, and there must have been several dozen of them. So, you know, I was watching them sort of migrate from one part of the surf across to the other and and it's just amazing how sure-footed they are and uh and you know you look away and you look back a few minutes later and they move quite a distance so that's that was real interesting yeah that's see. that would be crazy see wild goats way out there up there yeah and uh and i guess in terms of wildlife uh i i saw one moose um it was one day when uh, a friend of mine that I had skied with uh, the previous year, he lives out there, so I, I got in contact with him, and uh, and he and I met. Um, uh, we we got to the trailhead one morning by 6 a.m. near Breckenridge, and um, our plan was to hike up and over um, 10 Mile Ridge, which essentially separates Breckenridge from copper mountain which is the next ski resort over and um and 10 mile ridge is um oh i think it was going to be about nine miles to the top and so we were figuring well you know if we can keep a pace of about two miles an hour you know we can be up there in four and a half hours so by 10 30 or 11 o'clock maybe we could be at the top but then we also had to get up and over uh, to, you know, the next, the upside where you're again below tree line because we were worried about encountering thunderstorms that morning. And the forecast was, in fact, for thunderstorms beginning at about 10 or 11 o'clock. So, okay. so we were really moving uh, to try to, try to get up there, try to get up and over there before the lightning started. And, uh, and once again, it was kind of rainy in the morning and very overcast. And disappointingly, uh, when we got to the top, um, well, fortunately, there there was no lightning and thunder um, while we made it up and over this this ridge. Uh, but what we did have was intense fog, and uh, we got to the top. And I was looking forward to this fantastic view. And unfortunately, there was really nothing to see because there's, um, Gosh, when you get a... to the top, yeah, when you get to the top there, you, you should be able to look over into Breckenridge and, you know, see the whole resort and all the, the town down in the valley and then the, the slopes on the side. And, uh, and on the other side, um, you know, you can look down into Copper. And when we got to the other side, we were able to see a little bit of, um, of the slopes of Copper Mountain. And then as we, got down closer of course the, we got below the fog and below the clouds and the view was pretty good again but um but it but that was a, that was a challenging uh hike um, <laughs> and you hustled to so get much. up there to oh we were we were moving really yeah, fast yeah but that was a great hike that was a great day and um so how so then from there oh, oh go ahead i was just going to say how 
like if you were going to compare the th- the the three long trails that you've backpacked, the three big big ones, um, mm-hmm. you know, how would you? I know two of them are in the same region of the country, basically. But how would you compare the climate and and how it, you know, how would you compare the differences? Maybe not just in uh, the topography and geology, but maybe in the climate and the uh, ex- the experience with the climate between uh-huh. the, the, t- the between the three well certainly the i mean the, because of the altitudes the elevations um the colorado trail is uh, very different it's it's very very uh dry right we have mm-hmm. especially desert type conditions uh in most of the valleys and uh, and again when i say valleys uh talking about alpine valleys for the most part. Yeah, still way uh, up in elevation. You're still, you're still pretty high elevation. You do come down, you know, into lower elevations from time to time, maybe eight, 9,000 feet here and there. But uh, but even the valleys are, you know, they're pretty good elevations uh, where you're, you're still, if, if elevation is an issue for you, if, and a lot of people they have a lot of trouble with um, with that. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've, I've really never experienced altitude sickness. The only effect I think it might have had on me was um, I didn't have the same appetite that I normally would have after huh. that much hiking during the day. Um, and I, I talked to a lot of folks who, you know, either they themselves or people that they had hiked with, had experienced, um, you know, a lot of problems with, with the altitude, but, you know, that didn't really seem to affect me much. Like lightheadedness and nausea and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I'm wondering about that. Yeah, that didn't really bother me. And I think in a large part it was because of the gradual uh, acclimation that I had the opportunity starting from the northeast. Yeah, so... But, yeah, very, but, but very different uh, climatic setting. Um, you know, the rainfall is very different out there. You get, you get pounded with rain regularly in the afternoon. Um, but the, the soil type, because of the lack of vegetation in the higher elevations is such that, uh, you know, it's, it drains quickly and you don't have the humidity in the air like you do back here in the east. Uh, where you have you know a lot of organics in the soil and a lot of um, a lot of greenery, um, you know, dense foliage um, all around you that makes the east so much more humid. Yeah, the, remember, the humidity is kind of a damper. Oh, absolutely, and I yeah I remember uh, when I when I hiked the AT particularly. I mean, it was oh my gosh. I started out in June, and uh, I was down in Georgia in June, and it's uh, it's not not the most pleasant conditions for uh, for hiking for you know nine ten hours a day. Yeah, it's like a swamp. Oh my gosh! So, how many total? Because I know you know this, um, and I. I'd like to end on a couple factoids here because I think we'll, I'll try to wrap this up. But how many total miles have you backpacked so far? 
Do you know? Um, I, not exactly, but I would say, you know, between just the, the three or four big trails that I've done, um, I guess somewhere in the neighborhood of um, 30, 3,200 miles, maybe. Whoa, that is crazy. Maybe, maybe something more than that. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, that that's a that's an achievement that you should be very, very proud of. I mean, that's a mate. That's awesome. Um, another thing, um, what, what is the greatest elevation change you've done in one day? In one day? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I guess somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, 5,000 feet, maybe. Wow. So, like, more than uh, the, the tallest peak that, in West Virginia, <laughs> yeah, which is where we are right that, now, or I am. Yeah, and that and that may actually have been back east. Um, yeah, I think you would you would ask me about that earlier, and uh, and I, I think you know back east, even though the elevations are so much lower, there's a lot more elevation change involved. Well, for example, between the Appalachian Trail and even. Um, looking at some of the longer trails like the Continental Divide Trail or the Pacific, the Pacific Crest Trail, um, there's something like 515,000 feet of elevation to overcome on the Appalachian Trail versus uh, somewhere around 400,000 on the Continental Divide and about 300,000 on the Pacific Crest Trail. So, and oh, both of those two are even longer than the Appalachian Trail. So that amount of elevation trail is spread out over a longer distance for the latter two. Right. So, so you're, yeah, not, you're not having yeah. as big fluctuations in on single days. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, yeah, but the the AT is, uh, there's there's just a lot more ups and downs all the time. And as you and, said, they're a lot more drastic too because they didn't, didn't do yeah. so many switchbacks. Right, right. So, so how on on the Colorado Trail? So did you fly by yourself out there and started on your own? Did you have kind of a convoy of any family? Um, and when you got picked up, did you just end and? Yeah, I just I just did that trail on my own. Um, I flew out to Denver and then I met some friends on the way out and on the way back uh, that lived out there that that I've known for some time, and then. Um, uh, the other thing, too, which was really interesting <clears throat> was because I didn't stop at a lot of small towns along the way, like so many of the folks that I, I had met along the way had done. Um, I decided on the way back, <clears throat> I would rent a car and I would just um, sort of drive my way back to Denver and, and you know, take a couple of days and, and stay in some of these small towns, which was really an interesting thing to do, I thought. and. Um, you know, I got to see the, I, for example, I got to see Leadville, Colorado on the way back. I got to see Gunnison. Um, I stopped in uh, Buena Vista and I stayed overnight, I believe, in uh, Salida, in Leadville, as a matter of fact. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was just fun to see those small towns because some of them, uh, I was going to say most of them, I, well, some of them are mining towns, and they have been around forever. Um, you know, they were some of the first settlements in Colorado because of the mining wealth that surrounds them. 
And uh, in fact, Leadville has um, the National Mining Museum there, which is really interesting. And I spent a couple of hours one morning uh, just kind of on my own touring through this mining museum. And and it finishes out with this beautiful uh, mineral exhibit. And they have a really nice um, collection of, um, you know, minerals, not just from um, Colorado, but from, from all over the world, I believe. But uh, oh, that would fantastic. Be, that would be really yeah, cool. Fantastic yeah, mineral exhibit. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I think that's 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 kind of cool that you did it that way, too, because if you're driving back, you can kind of take your time. It's a lot more leisurely, probably. You know, you don't feel pressed or... Or maybe you didn't feel mm-hmm. pressed either if you'd, if you'd have taken a sidetrack and spent time there while backpacking. But I think, you know, doing it in your car, you still got to see it, but it was a lot more relaxing. Right. Yeah, I got to visit a lot of small towns, and, and I looked for bookstores in the small towns that I was in and uh, talked to the book owners, or bookstore owners about uh, oh, my book. And, good idea. And ended up <clears throat> selling quite a few books to the, the bookstores, and... and um, you know, the whole point of, of doing this is just to provide uh, access to my book to places where, <clears throat> excuse me, where they may not have heard about it and um, spreading the word. And um, when people in those communities yeah. are going to be the kind of people that would want to read that, you know, well, every, yeah. everybody might want to read it, but they particularly might want to read it. Um, right. Somebody's right. on and the trail just, and they pull off there or whatever and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, and I think it's a, as as you said, I, I think it's of interest to folks who are doing these kinds of things out west. Um, you know, they would have an interest in uh, reading a book about the Appalachian Trail, um, particularly you know, written from the standpoint or, or from the perspective of a geologist, and pointing out the types of rocks that you see along the way, and you know, where did they come from? How did they get there? A little bit about their his their geologic history and. Uh, because uh, you don't read that much in, um, I mean, I've read a number of other um, books on the Appalachian Trail, and, and I've, I've skimmed through a couple um, on the Colorado Trail, and, uh, you know, they, they might mention the rocks here and there, but not not that much, and uh, that's not really the focus of most of them, unless it's a... Um, unless it's a, a geologic, geologic guide or something. Yeah, that's uh, uh Craig, I'm you know, I really enjoy talking with you. I enjoy hearing about your your backpacking adventures so far and I mean, I'd love to to keep up with you. I we, I've got a couple copies of your book. Um, you know, I I would encourage anyone that wants to read it to read it and the one on the uh, Appalachian Trail, Rocks, Roots and Rattlesnakes. And again, I'll say I'm going to put a link in this description on where you can go to purchase it, but it's also available on Amazon, right? That's correct. Uh-huh. Um, so you can also go to Amazon and check it out. But uh, it's just fascinating that you're keep you're keeping this up. This is obviously one of you know this is something that you really really enjoy doing. And do you have any any plans on any other trails? Or like, are you making any other plans to go backpack another long trek? Uh, well, yeah, I, I've got some I've got some plans that are tentative. Uh, at best at this point. Um, and uh, recently, I, I guess we'd, and, and I yeah, I really won't even get into too much detail about this because it may or may not happen. Well, I don't that's know, fine. But, yeah, don't jinx yourself but, um, on here. 
Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a few <laughs> there's a few things that I was thinking about doing um, this coming season, um, and one of them might be um, spending a couple of weeks in the Alps, and then finish that up with um, the family is going to be joining me then in Germany, and we'll just do some touring through Germany, following uh, following my my Alps trek. But, that well, may or may not happen, if, but tentatively, that's the plan at this point. If you so, pull that off, if that actually gets pulled off, so I won't say you know when or anything to jinx you. But if you if if you end up doing that, feel free to. This is an open invitation at any time to to step on here and 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 get some folks that I know and maybe some folks that you sure. know to listen to your story and and if you do end yeah, up compiling them, sure. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. to hear it. Um, and I know there's a lot of a lot of interest in this stuff, and a lot of people out there that wish they had the the time and the ability to be able to do it. Um, you know that's that's a blessing in itself. Um, I just I'm looking at this map, and it's just kind of overwhelming me how much in the pictures how beautiful it is out here in Colorado on this trail. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I fully I fully recognize that I'm I'm extremely fortunate to have these opportunities, you know, at this point in my life. And I, yeah, I'm hoping to continue this for, uh, for a long time if I, if I can. And, uh, so, uh, it, it certainly, it, that doesn't, that opportunity and, and, um, blessing doesn't go unnoticed for sure. And I really appreciate that I'm able to do this and would like to continue, you know, yeah, and I appreciate that you're. I appreciate you're able to. You've you've already put it out in words too, so other people can kind of have live your experience with you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Like we've talked on and off this before about. So Craig, I'm I, I'm really. Uh, I, I think it's it's cool. I look up to you in that regard. I I hope to maybe whip myself into shape. Um, you know, with my little ones running around, it's hard, but I guess I can drag them with me and let them burn out some of their energy and show them some rocks. That's what I ought to be doing. Um, you know, it, it, there's something to just in general, just getting away from the technology and just getting out and being, you know, experiencing the elements and, you know, seeing the world and seeing if you can make it and how far you can push your body and, and, and just all kinds of different parts to it like it's just an all-encompassing and here i am kind of giving a monologue but it's it's cool it's an it's an all-encompassing feat <laughs> that, <clears throat> that requires basically every bit of you and all of your determination to to do and then you you know as you've said and told stories about in about the at in your book and here in this podcast about the colorado trail but you know, you're richly rewarded with fantastic views and great stories and friends that you're, you know, you would have never met. Um, sure. And it's just yeah. it's, and it's, it's very it's fascinating. A, yeah, such a different, it's such a different experience than uh, just day hiking or, you know, just sightseeing or nothing wrong with any of those things. I'm just saying that it's a very different experience than that when you're living it um, from sun up to sundown and, you know, sleeping on the ground every night in a tent through all kinds of you know weather and uh rain and whatnot you know whatever comes your way and um and uh you know the, one of the most important things of course if you're going to do that is to have good equipment and if you don't have good equipment it's probably not the same experience 
So it's important to, you know, have and first I, and foremost, I guess, a, a, you know, a great shelter that allows you to, you know, withstand those variations in weather and temperatures without, you know, freezing to death because it's. And you, you go into detail. Yeah, oh, and it would be horrible. Yeah, you would end up taking a, you'd have a totally different experience. Um, but you detail the, the that kind of the stuff that you had, I know, on your website and in, in your book probably as well. Um, you know, just all the, the gear that you do have, that right. it took you to do the, right. the AT. And that's why that was one of my questions was, you know, as this is evolving for something that you're, you know, you're doing more frequently and, you know, you're probably researching more and more gear. I assume you probably cross paths with people that have different gear and you got, it's probably some of your conversations on the trail about what do you have? What do you use? What do you like to? Oh yeah. Backpackers love to talk about gear. There's no question. About yeah. That. I mean, I can figure that's probably, <laughs> that's, usually one of the, that's usually one of the key uh, discussions that, that we have without a doubt. Yeah. And particularly when you, you know, you come into camp at night and you know, you're setting up your tent and, you're kind of looking around and saying, oh, what kind of a tent does that gentleman or that young lady have? And, uh, and then the cook systems and everything else. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, they, they like to keep weight as low as possible. And one of the ways to do that is to not carry a cook system and to just, um, you know, eat cold food all the time. Um, that's not that unusual to see folks who do that. And, uh, you know, for me, I like to have, uh, I like I like the uh, you know the whole process of you know getting my stove my little stove out every night boiling water and, and making ramen noodles or or um, once in a while having a mountain house dinner and you know for folks who haven't ever eaten uh, dehydrated uh, dinners like uh, beef stroganoff or something <laughs> yeah, like that so- you know it doesn't sound that appealing but let me tell you. <laughs> At the end of the day, when you've been, you know, hiking all day over mountains and in this sweltering heat or whatever the conditions may have been, um, boy, to have a, uh, uh, like a stroganoff dinner or or a beef stew or a a chili mac or whatever it is um, from Mountain House or any of the others, oh my gosh, that's incredibly satisfying yeah, and, at uh, that moment in time you've never had anything so better <laughs> yeah you, you know i used to i i uh, i backpacked at the uh, the boy scout um camp called uh philmont i don't know if you heard of philmont sure, sure, but when sure, i was sure. younger I, I went two, two different times on uh two two week treks when i was 15 mm-hmm. and when i was 17 and i remember cooking that you know we had we went with a group of people obviously um, but it was still, you know, like 100, 170 miles or something. And, and it was, it was out West, you know, out in New Mexico, but, um, that was an experience. And I remember, you know, being on cook cruise and making those meals and thinking I would never, you know, when we were planning it, I was like, I don't really want to eat that stuff. And then when we were out there, it's like, gosh, this is so good. <laughs> I mean, this is so, I've never had something that's more, you know, sates my uh, appetite, uh, more right, than this. Right. Yeah. But, uh, and, and main, m- mostly what I have in the evening is, uh, just ramen noodles with, um, a protein added, you know, whether it's a tuna packet or chicken or whatever. Um, but that is extremely satisfying too. I mean, even though it's not particularly nutritious and that's fine. Um, you know, it's, it's just, 
a good way to end end the day with uh, with a hot meal of noodles, and um, they they really are delicious. And so one kind of gets tired of them after you know weeks on end, but uh, but you know it's it's a good way to end yeah. the day with with that type of a, a meal. And so what you're saying is you you would not be you would not be one of the people that only eats cold cold food. I do not. No, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of the of the cold soak, and a lot of folks do that. They, uh, I'm trying to think of what they would even be like. For example, oatmeal in the morning. You know, you can put that into a Ziploc bag with a little bit of water, and then let it cold soak overnight. And uh, you know, typically when you make oatmeal, you add boil, water, yeah. boil it, boil water to it, and it. it reconstitutes the oatmeal rather quickly. <laughs> right. If you do that with cold water, it'll still work, but you have to take a little longer. So a lot of folks sell cold soak overnight or or they'll they'll cold soak something during the day while they're hiking in a Ziploc bag and then that's their dinner for the evening. Um, and other folks just uh, you know they'll just bring um, peanut butter and uh, tortilla shells or something like that, and, and that's that's what they have for dinner, and maybe some nuts to go with it, or whatever, uh, dried fruit, etc. But um, yeah, to me, that's not quite as enjoyable for an evening meal as um, going through that process of uh, you know boiling water and you know having a heated dinner each night. Yeah, well, the, going through the, the motions actually. Doing something, yeah. It's just yeah. one of you know one of the small luxury items I'd like to enjoy. I guess. <laughs> well, um, Craig, uh, I really do. I hate uh, hate to kind of end it on you here, but I've really really enjoyed talking with you, and I'd like to keep keep in contact sure. and reach back out. And if you've got any more you want to talk about, or something comes up, or you do end up taking this trek in the Alps, or or even if you don't, uh, you may want to hop back on here and talk about your trip over to Europe anyway. Um, sure. So Be happy to. yeah, I, I'm glad that, uh, you know, you're, you're hiking all these or backpacking all these trails and you got these stories to tell and you can keep me updated, keep us updated. All right, Sam. Well, it was always a pleasure and, uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime. All right. Take care. Thanks. Have a good 